Greetings all. Welcome to another episode of the Courageous Path podcast. I'm Rachel Horton White with Soulful Work Intuitive Consulting. You can learn more about me at soulfulworkconsulting.com on Facebook, Instagram. I'm also on Quora, Medium, and all kinds of other social media outlets. I am so excited today to share an interview with Shane Giannis, which I'm calling A Slave to the Needle No Longer. He is a man that I found through Facebook when he shared a post which got an incredible amount of support on his 10-year anniversary from his recovery from addiction to opiates, heroin to be exact. He, In his post, he shared what he had done in his life to overcome this disease and to essentially what he calls get out from underneath the thumb of heroin. You'll hear him talk about how he feels he should have died many times over, but eventually just got tired of it and decided he was never going to do it again, and he never did. He'll talk about his music being a source of joy and happiness and even healing for him through um, his bands that he's in and that he leads, and you'll hear him talk about how he overcame the fear in putting out the Facebook post in the first place. Shane Alexander Giannis is a singer, guitarist, bassist, songwriter, lyricist from Lewiston, Maine. He's age of 43 and he's recorded numerous full-length studio albums with bands such as Living Impaired, Sons of Darkness, and Uncertainty, which has a new EP out called Question Everything. And when he has been on three U.S. tours with his band, Living Impaired. When he's not working, writing, recording music, or playing live shows, Shane spends most of his time with his wife of five years, Michelle Giannis. Shane has also built a career in sales with nearly a decade of experience and is currently a sales manager in a direct response marketing company. Hope you enjoy this interview with Shane. Shane, um, it's great to talk with you again, and thanks for talking with me today. Thanks for having me, Rachel. So I, um, I first connected with you several months ago, really just through Facebook, and I think um, you, I, I don't remember how I first connected you, I think through music, my husband's a musician, you're a musician, but then I noticed that you'd posted something, um, an inspiring, really brave um, story about your battle with addiction and your recovering from it. And I noticed that it got so much outpouring of support and people sharing their own stories. So I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about about that, why you did that, and you know what you what you noticed from that from that. Absolutely. Well, it was July 5th of last year, 2016, and I was debating it, but I ended up posting that it was my 10-year anniversary since I had last fallen off the wagon and got high off any kind of opiates. And it got a huge outpouring of support. It, I think it got like between 350 and 400 likes. It had like 100 comments on it. A lot of people that commented on it were just like me. They had struggled with their own addictions in the past. A lot of them had struggle with the same type of addiction I did, which was heroin and, uh, and other opiates like Oxycontin. And a lot of them were clean now, thank God. 
Some of them were still struggling, which is the reason that I did it in the first place. And a lot of the people who were really supportive are people who I would have assumed would have been mortified by reading my post. And that was, that was a nice surprise. Yeah. I mean, that took a lot of courage to, um, to do that. And, you know, I think, I think, you know, what made you, I mean, so it's like you shared your own anniversary, but you also did it not only for yourself, but did you do it, you know, for others, for other people in a way? Actually, that's the only reason I did. I I think I even remember putting in the post, you know, I'm not doing this for congratulations. I'm not Mm -hmm. doing this for, hey, you know, way to go, buddy. I did it for one reason, because I knew there was people on my friends list who I personally knew, and probably a lot that I didn't know, too, that were struggling with the same type of addiction or maybe a similar addiction that I was struggling with. And it was important for me to to show them by example, if I could get clean, especially how bad off I was mm-hmm. and how far my addiction was. If I could do it, then anybody could do it. Yeah. And would you mind sharing how you did it? <laughs> because it is it is difficult. Well, for years, I was a heroin addict. Um, I turned to the needle. It got in a very, very bad way. I was doing an incredible amount of of heroin every day. And, of course, I was going to the methadone clinic. That's what was available to me at the time. I was trying to get clean. I know recovered addicts, they always talk about a moment of clarity. Well, I had several of those, and I still kept falling off the wagon. I know some people, we just talked about it earlier, some people find a spiritual reason, some people find, you know, family, whatever their motivation is, that's that's golden. Mine, I think, I have to admit, it was more of ego than anything. Hmm. The last time that I remember getting high, um, I felt like such a slave, and I was so tired of being under the thumb of opiates. I was so tired of it, I knew I was better than it, and... Hmm. And I think my ego just took over and I said, listen, I, I'm better than this. I, I can defeat this. And this is going to be the last time I ever do this. Wow. And it was. Wow. That's amazing. It's like sometimes I think with addiction or, you know, which can come in different forms, you know, like, of you know, addiction to food or addiction to the internet, you know, or something like, I think, <laughs> I mean, Absolutely. But it's like, I think sometimes, I mean, they, people talk about the rock bottom place, which, I, which you know, I've had, I personally have had people in my life who suffered from addiction too. And I remember like, sometimes you think it's rock bottom, but it's actually not, <laughs> you know, um, and it's, it's not the time when you're going to, you know, say, okay, I'm done with this. But it's, I feel like what you said, I've heard before, like you just get tired of it and you feel like you're just, it's like, you're just done you know and and it's just fascinating to me about how what it takes to get to that place yeah you know that's so very true and you know i mean i had i had really been so frustrated with feeling defeated it was very frustrating every time you you think you're doing well and i was going to the methadone clinic and i i'd stay off from the stuff for you know two three months and then i'd fall back off the wagon and it was a never ending cycle. And I would usually I'd feel bad after after, you know, the initial high wore off after mm-hmm. after the drugs wore off and, and, and I'm alone with my thoughts and I would just feel terrible and feel guilty. And, oh, my God, what am I doing? I'm stuck in this vicious cycle. Yeah. Well, the last time 
it hit me right away. And I was just so tired of being underneath heroin's thumb. Mm-hmm. And I'm a fighter. I've always been a fighter. So I decided that's it. This is the last time that happens. This is the last time I'm getting high. And I'm not going to fall off the wagon again. And it's been over 10 and a half years now. And I yeah. still haven't. It's amazing. And so what was it like? Do you, I mean, I, I think people wonder, like, how is it that some people make it out of that and some people don't? Some people end up dying. A lot of people end up dying, actually. But, you know, what is, was there like a person in your life that kind of helped you see the light, see some sort of light at the end of the tunnel? Was it a program or was it, was it like you just said your own self? I mean, I'm just curious. Was it, what are some of the factors that helped you kind of? get over that. Huh? Well, I'm glad you I'm glad you mentioned program because anybody mm-hmm. out there listening to this, when you go into a methadone clinic, you are their customer. They're legal drug dealers. Yeah. I used the system for what I needed to do so I could wean down off the dose and and finally get rid of it, but when you go to a methadone clinic, they convince you that you're going to have to stay on methadone for the rest yeah. of your life and it's perfect perfectly fine. Some people are diabetics and they have to take insulin for the rest of their life. That's that's the analogy they use because they yeah. don't want to lose you as a customer. They're a profit organization. Yeah. yeah. So it's important for anybody going through a program like that to realize that that's a BS. Yeah. You don't need to be on methadone for the rest of your life. Yeah, they're trying it's like and another addiction, <laughs> a different kind of addiction. It is. You, we used to have a word. It's it's liquid handcuffs. Yeah, yeah, yep. It's a very good analogy. But as far as Things that helped me, I had uh, actually, I had been out of the music business for a while just because I was, you know, slowly killing myself. I was basically a walking zombie. Mm. And I got into contact with an old friend, Rick, and I joined the band with him. And it was actually the music that that kind of slowly brought me back out of that lifestyle and back mm. into the land of the living. Mm. Gave me something to look forward to. Gave me something to live for. Yeah. Yeah. Was it just kind of like the ability to express yourself because you sing right and you play a guitar is that i sing i play bass i play guitar Mm -hmm. so what was it about music and i mean in particular i I mean just how do you put that into words i guess music for me has always been very cathartic Mm -hmm. especially when you're playing metal and you've you you're an easily angry person which which i grew up being well yeah and we actually, uh, we actually together, I wrote all the lyrics and the guitarist wrote all the music and we actually uh, wrote a concept album called Methadonia and it was all about my struggles getting clean. Oh, that's so brilliant. That's like cathartic, but also kind of teaching people <laughs> a little bit. You had a message there. Exactly. Like. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I, um, <clears throat> I think in my work, I talk, you just mentioned metal and, you know, the anger piece. And I think in the personal development field, which I, I guess I'm partly in, there's a lot of talk about, you know, positive thinking. And I'm just shifting it for a second just because I find it really interesting. And so I think sometimes it is, you know, while it's important, I believe, to try to focus on the positive, it's not always possible. And there's a lot of anger. But what do you do with that anger? And I'm wondering, you know, what is what does metal do for you? I mean, with, with anger, does it kind of channel it or does it just release it or is it a place for you to put it? <laughs> Actually, all of the above. Yeah. I, I definitely channel my anger through my music, and that's in an appropriate manner, as opposed mm-hmm. to what I used to do when I was much younger. Mm-hmm. And it's extremely <laughs> cathartic. Once you get it out there, it feels so good. You feel like you purge yourself of that particular feeling. 
Yeah. I think a lot of people who are into uh, metal, I think a lot of those people grew up in an environment where they didn't have the best childhood and, and they experienced a lot of anger and a lot of depression. And music was a way to not only purge yourself of that feeling at the time, but to to understand that other people feel that way too. And it's there's a lot of camaraderie in, in the yeah. metal scene, probably more than any music genre I've ever seen. I mean, when you find out when you find out that somebody else is a metalhead, it's like meeting a member of your lost tribe or something. Yeah, that's interesting. Because it's like people in this day and age, people, you know, with social media, people just want to connect so badly with other people that they think can understand them. Um, well, you know, music is the uh, catalyst for me getting a Facebook profile in the first place. I originally just started my Facebook just to promote my music. And yeah. it ended up being really cool because I ended up connecting with a lot of friends who I hadn't seen in years and a couple of friends I hadn't even seen or spoken to in decades. So that was a nice surprise. Yeah, that's great. So, um, you know, I'm thinking about, just we we're talking about emotions like anger and you know whatever all the other negative emotions that I mean if with with drug addiction it's like it's like putting the anger on internalizing it like projecting it intern onto yourself you know whereas with I imagine at least and then whereas with you know with with at least metal music it's like you're putting it out of yourself so it's not living within you but I'm thinking about like joy and happiness oh, like what brings you those feelings now <laughs> in your life if you don't mind well, me asking <laughs> no i don't that's really good you know barely a day goes by where i don't think how lucky and fortunate i am to have pulled myself out of it because one of the questions you asked earlier and i don't think i've answered it yet is how did i pull myself out of it yes. while well, so many people died there is a huge element of luck involved i won't lie hmm. i should have died probably 50 times over at least mm -hmm. wow. and it's 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 not amount of uh it, it's when you die of a heroin overdose it's not usually because you did too much it's because of the punishment you're putting your body through mm -hmm. and your heart is beating so weakly sometimes it's just a even a smaller dose than you used to mm -hmm. can push you over the edge you, you're really weakening your 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 entire core when you do a drug like that and I got very, very fortunate not only to to survive this, but to pull myself out. So mm -hmm. that yeah. makes me extremely happy. But also uh, my wife, first and foremost, we've been married now for five years. She's an incredible woman. She's mm -hmm. extremely supportive. And I have two different bands that I'm in that bring me a lot of joy. Uh, mm -hmm. I got a great job. I've been there almost 10 years now and moving mm -hmm. up in the company and reconnecting with a lot of the friends who I disassociated myself with when I was a junkie because I didn't really like the way I looked in their eyes and reconnecting <coughs> with all of them and just it, it really makes for a great life. And I'm a very fortunate person mm -hmm. to have actually pulled myself out of this. Yeah. That's wonderful. And I remember talking to you before that you mentioned something about your job and, you know, worried about what your employer might think about your post. But how did it end up turning out when you did share this um, past that you pulled yourself Honestly, out Honestly, <laughs> a lot of my peers and even superiors were very supportive and they, they thought it was great. Yeah. So that was a nice, pleasant surprise. And it is a great place to work for. So I'm, I'm really happy with that. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that says, I think, 
a lot to people who may not share something that they might be embarrassed about, you know, with especially, you know, things like addiction or mental health or, you know, it's still, even though we've come so far in many ways in our society, there's still a lot of shame and guilt around those things. And even things like depression. Um, <clears throat> so what were absolutely. you going to say? Yeah. Um, I debated post in this even up into the very point where I clicked the post button. <laughs> I, I, I'm not a very open person when it comes to my my very personal life. I, I covet my personal yeah. space and, and, and my privacy. And it took a lot to click that. Even long after I, I wrote the paragraph, it stayed on my screen for about an hour. <laughs> really? Just, Interesting. I, I, it did. I debated it for a good hour. Mm -hmm. And finally, I re realized, no, people need to read this because there's people struggling out there. And mm -hmm. if anything negative happens because of this, it'll be worth it because I know some positivity will come from it, too. And mm -hmm. the great part is nothing negative at all came out of it. Even certain people who I thought were going to read the post and be like, oh, my God, I never knew that about him. That's just atrocious. <laughs> they were posting such positive posts and mm -hmm. inboxing me. And it, it, it was awesome. It made me feel really great. Yeah. And I, I think people probably just find you very inspirational, even if they haven't been through addiction like you have. But just because it takes a lot of courage to share something so personal that they know you're put they know you're putting yourself out there and i think that is really inspiring so and that yeah. part that part's great too i won't lie that's pretty cool but the main point was for the people that are still struggling yes. to read that and to see that if i could do it they could absolutely do it too i mean i had a daily habit that could kill a horse and that's usually just a metaphor yeah I was in a bad, bad way. I know it sounds like a cliche. If I could do it, anyone can do it. But in this case, it's actually very true. Yeah. So do you know if anybody who is, who was still, when you posted that, actively using something or, you know, what, do you know if they're, how they're doing now or did they, have they really yes, talked there, about it? Yeah. There were, yes, there were a few people in mind when I did it. And uh, uh, there's a couple of them that are really working hard to make sure that they stay clean. Mm. One of them recently fell off the wagon, but but then he jumped right back on and he's been clean for a few months now and do what he needs to do. And mm. it was for the people like that. Yeah. And I have nothing but words of encouragement for these people. That's awesome. That could be why you're part of your new, renewed purpose in life, why you're still around. <laughs> Who knows? You know? I, I like to think so, yes. Yeah, definitely. I think so. Um, so any, you know, since there are hopefully are people that might listen to this who might be really identifying with your story, anything you want to tell them if they're, you know, since they're listening? Any message yes, you might have? A, yeah. The most important message is, and I had to convince myself of this too, you are stronger than you could possibly imagine if you were still alive and you were listening to the sound of my voice congratulations you've managed not to die yet and you were stronger than you could ever imagine you can do it just do it make the last time that you got high the last time yeah that's great that's gonna be that's gonna matter a lot thank you so much shane for those words absolutely and for your time and um, and just before we go, where if anybody wants to hear your music, where can they hear you and where can they find you? <laughs> well, they can see lots of music on YouTube. Uh, my band Living Impaired, my, 
my old band Sons of Darkness, my new band Uncertainty. Um, they can check out those pages on Facebook. And my band Uncertainty just recorded finally our first EP. It's going to be called Question Everything. That's kind of our motto. Nice. <laughs> and that that <laughs> it's always good advice. I like and that. that. Yeah. Be released very soon. <laughs> That's it's awesome. kind of a concept band. Everything that I write about is is questionable subject matter from politics yes. to uh, life and death, spirituality, religion. Yes. Anything. And I well, I've seen some of your posts and you've maybe seen some of mine that I think we see things in a similar way about questioning things that I we're think told we do. in the terms of a larger system in many, many, many ways that we're all awakening to some realities. <laughs> yeah. That's Absolutely. Important. That's the message. Yeah, so that's good. Thank you. And where? And so you're based in. You play mostly in Lewiston Auburn area. That's where you're based. We play at, in the LA area, but mm -hmm. yes, we're based out of Lewiston. Um, we're actually playing this April first at the two one two in Westbrook. It, oh. At least I think we are. You can never be too certain about these things. That's great. Awesome. All right, we'll, we'll get that. Yeah, I mean, we'll, there's a joke in there somewhere. Now. Yeah, for now. <laughs> um, well, our name of our band's uncertainty. And oh, I get it. April, and April 1st is April Fool's Day. So I had a, the person that actually booked us, I'm like, is, is this a real gig? Am I going to show up and there's going to be nobody there? I mean, yeah, it's like, right. no, it's a real gig. It's a birthday party. The guy really wants you guys to play. So I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think the joke would be like when it's actually April Fool's Day, maybe not like before then. <laughs> so, uh, well, thank you so much, Shane. I'm honored that you took the time to talk to me and share your story again in a different way. And I have no doubt that um, that it's going to keep your story over and over again through Facebook, through here, through whatever it is you come into contact with people through your music, that it's going to help people. And it already is. So thank you. Well, thank you so much for the kind words, and I really want to thank you for the opportunity. Oh, that's my this pleasure. This is awesome. My pleasure. Have a great day. You too, Rachel. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this interview. For more information about me, you can visit www.soulfulworkconsulting.com. And I'm Rachel Horton-White. Thanks so much for listening.